Hello, this is Brittany Ross from Fiddle and Pipe. Just wanted to let you all know real quick that you can see me on Mmm Conversation's latest episode on the second half. So if you're interested in that, please go over and check out Mmm Conversations on your favorite streaming platform. Without further ado, here's the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Blincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Now I'm recording. Okay, I'm recording too. Woo! Alright, so, we have mostly finished Atomic Habits. Yeah, now we are at... Advanced tactics. How did it go from being merely good to being truly great? Yeah, so this is assuming that we've done everything else in the book, which I think we have done a pretty good job of actually applying the stuff in this book to our real lives. I just told Brittany this, but I've been trying to eat more vegetables, and I don't know if anybody else does this, but I'll go to the grocery store and I'll be like, I'm going to buy these carrots because this would be a really healthy snack for me for the next couple weeks. But what tends to happen is I throw my vegetables in the crisper and then I get really, really busy later in the week or whatnot. And I forget that I have all these carrots and then they go old and moldy and gross. And then they're not edible anymore because to me, taking out the carrots, washing them, peeling them, and cutting them, <laughs> that is time consuming to me when I just want a couple carrots for a snack. I don't want to spend like half my time that I do have during a break preparing the crap. So I actually cut up my carrots, put them in a jar, and just made them really easy to pick up on a shelf at my fridge door. Don't have to think about it. They're already cut up. It's great. I'm now eating more vegetables. Which is obviously a good thing. (laughs) It is a good thing. I love eating vegetables. I was just like, how can I make this a little bit easier for myself to where I will eat healthier snacks rather than just like waiting for dinner later down the road or... Or picking up some chips. Yeah, that's really easy. As long as it's easy to get, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will most likely gravitate towards that. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way, especially when I don't clinician my lunches are rather snacky so Mm. i try to leave things around that are like hummus and produce so that way i'm not just like chips (laughs) we just got the quest chips they're like a protein bar brand and they came out with these chips and they taste really good (laughs) they taste like taco bell they usually come in these boxes that he buys and he puts them out in an area to where they're easy to see and accessible because unfortunately our apartment was made for somebody that is six foot five because we have high ceilings everywhere and our kitchen has all these high cabinets and I even had to buy a stool to like <laughs> grab things like I'm telling you this was a tall person apartment I think this entire complex was made for tall people but sorry I'm five foot five you're not short, though. That's... Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> what the heck? I'm average size. So, it's hard to see things. Like, some of the snacks that we have, it's hard to see because they're up on the top of our fridge. But what he likes to have things in his sight. And so, having those chips in his sight, he's like, ooh, like, I can grab this. And mm-hmm. they're healthier. 
Speaking of height, we should probably slip into chapter 18, The Truth About Talent, when genes matter and when they don't. Oh, yeah, because height. Oh, my God. I am so... (laughs) This is my uh, third cup of tea, by the way. You're drinking chamomile tea. That's not going to wake you up. That's just going to put you to sleep. No wonder you don't get the joke. (laughs) I'm so confused. Okay, I've been awake since five, so you gotta give me some grace here, okay? (laughs) My brain is trying to, you know, function a little bit. It's like if you're using, like, an old Windows Explorer and it just says, like, buffering. I'm buffering right now. (laughs) I mean, we've been podcasting technically for four hours. One, two, three, four. Holy fuck. (laughs) It's okay. We both together have had a day. <laughs> yes. So sometimes people have a genetic predispositions to what they're good at. Yeah. Usually this is based on what we naturally veer towards or have some natural ability with. Other times this is because we have longer legs or a different body type or something. I liked how he said that like basically sometimes with certain habits it's hard. Because with our genes, it's not natural to us. But what I really liked, he quoted, you want to play a game where the odds are in your favor. And I'm telling you, this entire section, when he kept talking about how the odds are in your favor and whatnot, I just kept thinking about the Hunger Games. And then I was thinking about that meeting that we had. And I was sitting there and I was like, is this a sign that we do need to read Hunger Games? Matt? Give us your input. (laughs) I'll be honest, I love the first book. So this is the Hunger Games chapter because are the odds in your favor or not? (laughs) Yeah, and genetics are not as straightforward as we like to think that they are. They're not always an advantage. They can give us physical and mental advantages in many different fields depending on who we are and what Mm -hmm. we are. I kind of thought about myself when I was reading this and I was like, I have big hands and long fingers. That's great for playing violin. But I had a horrible sense of pitch that I had to drill into myself since I started playing sixth grade and that's horrible for playing violin or I'm lanky and I have a really naturally strong lower body if anyone has seen me in person I am what they would describe as thick with two c's (laughs) and both of these things are great for running but I also have asthma which is horrible for running (laughs) so it's not even as straightforward as everything adds up and you're just a super person at one field it's like you have some things that give you a predisposition to being better at it but maybe other things that you don't have a predisposition to be better at it and you kind of need to figure out what you're willing to work for with the genetic hand that you're dealt that is very true i just feel like i'm very average like i don't have (laughs) asthma (laughs) i don't have anything like that for instance like being in marching band when you're in marching band you're out in the sun all day long and my genetics I picked up a recessive gene that is making me a ginger. And I have fair skin, and I have freckles, and when I see the sun, my skin cries. (laughs) (laughs) But the sad thing about that is, like, for me, growing up, I was outside a lot, whether I was in after school or at summer camp or at home. I love to swim. I love swimming. I thought it was so fun, but being out at... 3 p.m. in a Georgia July summer (laughs) is not so great for me to be at the pool if there's like a pool party happening at that time 
I mean, I would just have to wear a lot of sunblock to make sure that I didn't get sun poisoning. And it's the same thing with marching band. Like, I would be outside all day long. So, basically, I smelled, like, SPF 80 to 100. And for four to five months out of the year. <laughs> yeah. And just so I could take care of myself and not get skin cancer. That's the one thing I can only think about mainly. But I mean, I did it amongst my other friends that could tan easily and not burn to a crisp. I mean, that's just one thing that I did was I'm not going to like let my fair skin take control of me doing marching band or going to the pool. Right. I also don't prefer going to the pool at 3 p.m. because that's just hot water at that point Mm -hmm. and everyone's at the pool at that point and that's kind of gross. Bath with friends. Yeah. That's why I went early in the day or late in the evening or afternoon. (laughs) Those are prime times. Basically, you just need to figure out what you're willing to grind for in life. Yes. If you tend to have some predispositions to be better at something or to enjoy something more, then you experience more satisfaction which therefore reinforces you to keep at it longer, and then that allows you to be better at it. Yes. I did that personality test, because that's, like, the next thing on my notes. I was going to say, I did a personality test, too. Did you do the really long one on his website? Yes, I did. Okay. Wow, we can talk about it. I'm very excited. I'm glad we thought the same way. By the way, y'all, if you haven't checked out James Clear's website, you should, because it has a lot of really cool resources on it, and normally I wouldn't plug the website of a book I read, but I went on it today and there was a lot of resources on that. It's very cool. Very cool. It's really neat. And so basically he talks about how personality influence habits because I mean, just like we all have different genes, same thing with personalities. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are all different in a way, but he does have a personality test like what atomichabits.com slash personality. Yeah, and he has a few, and some of them are really short, and some of them are really long. The one that I took, and I think the one that you took, too, is, like, a 300-question test that's done by... No, I didn't do that one. I did the big five personality test. Okay, so I did the longest one there, because I thought it'd be the most thorough, so... Whoa. Okay, I need to take that one tonight. (laughs) Not now. So... (laughs) So he talks about the five spectrums of behavior are openness to experience, from curious and inventive on one end to cautious and consistent on the other, conscientiousness is number two, organized and efficient to easygoing and spontaneous, number three was extroversion, outgoing and energetic to solitary and reserved, like extroverts, introverts, that kind of deal. Number four was agreeableness. Friendly and compassionate to challenging and detached. And number five was neuroticism, anxious and sensitive to confident, calm, and stable. Uh, not me, but you know. <laughs> so I took that test, and here's what I got. With extroversion, I was in the 41st percentile, so about average. On agreeableness, I was in the 68th percentile, so very high. And I agree with that because that is me. Conscientiousness was a 63rd percentile, and that was pretty high, apparently. Neuroticism, 86th percentile. Very high is what it says. Very neurotic. (laughs) I can agree with that a lot. (laughs) And then openness. I'm in the 21st percentile. Very low, which I can agree with in some ways because we've talked about this in previous episodes where, like, when it's you and me together, if we're with Mm -hmm. friends... 
we're very outgoing, but when I like meet new people in person, especially, I'm kind of like quiet. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool stuff. (laughs) The test that I took was like a 300 question test and it rated all five. And it also Mm -hmm. rated each thing within. So like for extroversion, it rated extroversion itself. And then within it, it rated friendliness, gregariousness, assertiveness, activity level, excitement, seeking, and cheerfulness. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go through and read everything. This is a score from zero to 99. For extroversion, I got a 73. Extroversion is high, indicating you're sociable, outgoing, energetic, and lively. You prefer to be around people much of the time. I would say so. I would say so, too. For agreeableness, I got an 86. Your high level of agreeableness indicates a strong interest in others' needs and well-being. You are pleasant, sympathetic, and cooperative. True. For conscientiousness, I got a 72. So it's high, means you set clear goals and pursue them with determination. People regard you as reliable and hardworking. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. For neuroticism, I got a four. Oh my god. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Indicating that you are exceptionally calm, composed, and unflappable. You do not react with intense emotions, even to situations that most people would describe as stressful. (laughs) Okay, after today, yes, this is very true with both of ours. (laughs) And the way that we handle today... I'm just gonna be honest. Yes, I agree with that. We've been recording for over four hours. We have one episode to show for it. We've had so many technology (laughs) problems. We had to re record last week's episode. Catherine had to go and have a cry. And I was literally like, it's fine. Let's just re record. (laughs) Yeah, you literally were like very calm. Even when we recorded that first time, and you were like, damn it, my computer shut down. (laughs) You were like very calm about it. And I was just like, I would be pissed. I would be crying. Like, I'd be so mad. Catherine was like, you can yell. And I was like, it's fine. <laughs> I hate everything. I almost got a pillow and screamed earlier. I was like, ah! <laughs> But I didn't. I kind of took some deep breaths, actually. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. And then for openness, I got a 26, which your openness to experience is low, indicating that you like to think in plain and simple terms. And I was like, you call me an idiot? Others describe you as down-to-earth, practical, and conservative. And I could see the down-to-earth and practical is kind of like my MO. Yeah. Like big old Ravenclaw vibes here. I think it was pretty accurate. I thought so, too. I kind of sat there and I was just like, yeah, this is not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> I tend to wrong. agree a lot with people and just go with the flow of things. I thought mine was right because I realized like people look to me as like logic brain for things. And the person who like sits and plans things out and tries to act calm and I was like yeah I think people just think I'm quiet we'll just agree with everybody and you know they're not wrong (laughs) and I love being around people I'd prefer to be around people than by myself I'm kind of half and half on that right now (laughs) I'm like an introverted extrovert like I don't thrive on it but I would much prefer to be with people than by myself yeah so When you know yourself, you should ask yourself questions like, what feels like fun to me but is work to others? What makes me lose track of time? Where do I get greater returns than the average person? And what comes naturally to me? And this is how you find a game where the odds are in your favor. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing was like finding a best approach that is easy. And again, just start small. And that was for me drinking water (laughs) to stay hydrated a little bit more, especially since Mm -hmm. I live in a dry desert-esque area 
I mean, when you come up here, you get thirsty a lot. You need to hydrate yourself. Yeah. Finding something as easy as that, starting that kind of habit. I think I started that a little, I want to say before the pandemic. I started drinking water more regularly, especially in the morning. Back in like 2018, 2019, I believe. I found it through an app, actually. An app mm-hmm. told me like, hey, if you start drinking water, like this is the first habit that you can create. There's a reason behind it. When you sleep, your body is dehydrated because you're sleeping. You're not actively like drinking water or whatnot. So when you wake up, it's good to drink like a glass of water or something just so that you can hydrate yourself. And it made sense because usually when I got up in the morning, I would work out or something. When you work out in the morning and you don't have anything in your system, it kind of sucks. So drinking water actually kind of helped me wake up a little bit. Now it's just become a daily habit and routine in my life. It's weird because I can't really function without doing that in the morning. Right. Like I have to drink water before I drink coffee. That's something that was easy for me to do because I could just put my water bottle at my stand. I don't have to worry about Lacey knocking it down because she doesn't care. Because you don't have bar talk. (laughs) I don't have bar talk here. (laughs) I just have Lacey and she's just kind of a sloth. She just looks at things and she's like, uh, whatever. She's like, okay, (laughs) that's there. I thought, like, I'm great at editing. I'm not going to toot my own horn here or anything, but I think the editing on this podcast is fan-fucking-tastic. I don't mind doing it. I don't mind sitting there for hours and, like, meticulously combing through our stuff and taking out the likes and the ums and the cough. And I didn't mind or practicing harder for violin when senses of pitch didn't come easily to me. It's kind of self-explanatory, but you just need to find something that you don't mind working at. Because you're going to have to work at everything. Mm. And that's true. If you want to do something and be successful at it, then you got to put the work into it. You got to work, bitch. Didn't listen to last week's episode. (laughs) Britney Spears told you the whole thing (laughs) in one song. Which also, if you're jumping into our fifth episode of Atomic Habits and not listening to anything else, maybe pause it and listen from the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you like listening to books out of order, then... I mean, I've done that before. (laughs) You know yourself better than we do. (laughs) Chapter 19, the Goldilocks rule. How to stay motivated in life and work. So I imagine just by the title of this chapter that someone's porridge is too hot and someone's porridge is too cold and someone's porridge is just right. Like Goldilocks? (laughs) Is that what that story's called? I thought that was Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, I get confused sometimes. (laughs) I just get a little confused with those stories. <laughs> it's okay. Just drink more of your sleepy tea. Mm, buffering. <laughs> buffering. In order for us to stay motivated in life and work, we basically need to keep things not too easy and not too hard to be successful and stay motivated. If things are too easy, we're going to get bored. If things are too hard, we're probably going to fail. So the Goldilocks rule is like keeping stuff in that zone. Yes. Between yeah. those two points. What I put down was improvement requires a balance, basically. Like, think about it like practicing, because it's easy to get bored when you're practicing, when you've been practicing the same music over and over and over again for years. Orchestral excerpts for auditions, you know, it's easy to get bored with them after you've been practicing them for years and years. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I don't want to play Don Juan the Mozart G major concerto anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? So 
for me at least, I know I've experienced where I'll just focus on orchestral excerpts sometimes in my practicing, and then I tend to get a little bit burned out by them. Then I don't really want to practice. It's really hard to kind of stay motivated. And then when you're done with those orchestral excerpts, it's like, what now? Like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah, you're like, isn't the whole reason why I'm practicing is to get into an orchestra? Why would I practice anything else? Exactly. And so, like, it just leads to burnout. It leads to burnout. And when I get bored of practicing, it takes away the fun of creating, you know, music. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to do this over the years is like finding something that's fun and new. Sometimes that maybe like, instead of just practicing that one excerpt, practicing like the entire piece or learning the entire piece. I did that last year, actually. And I did that with a few excerpts that I was learning. I decided to learn the entirety of Dvorak 8 when I was learning the solo because mm -hmm. I was like, well, why don't I actually like learn this piece? Why don't I actually listen to it and see why is this an excerpt? How does this excerpt fit in this mm -hmm. piece? I did stuff like that just to kind of like feel refreshed in a way. And mm -hmm. I did stay motivated. I loved learning these pieces. I'm doing it again with this audition that I'm working on right now. I don't know. It's the same thing when you're like teaching students because I don't want to give my students things that are too easy, but I also want to find things for them while they're practicing like over the week or two weeks that I don't see them. I wanted them to be practicing things that are manageable for their skill level, but also challenging in the same way to where they can work and focus on these things to get better. They're not mm -hmm. feeling bored and stuck and tired all the time. You know what I mean? And sometimes if yeah. I assign my students things to practice, and it's maybe like something I know they can manage over the week. And if they have a little bit more time, I say, check out this exercise here. Try it out, see how it goes, and we'll continue on and work on this in our next lesson after we finish the first right. two. Just so that they know what's coming ahead and what's challenging for them. That way we can focus and work on that the next time. And they're staying motivated. You mentioned something about how to stay focused when you get bored working on your goals and burnout mm -hmm. and stuff. He makes it a point to say that the people who succeed are the ones who do the thing regardless of if they don't feel like it mm -hmm. or if they're bored. Yeah. He says he was talking to some coach or something, some workout person in college. He was like, yeah, like, how do you just do this all the time? Yada, yada, yada. And the coach said, at some point, it comes down to who can handle the boredom of training every day, doing the same list over and over. Mm -hmm. I really took that to heart because... Everyone goes through not wanting to do things or being depressed or having low energy or being bored or not being able to motivate yourselves. But the people who get good or set good habits are the people who do the thing regardless. Motivation and drive are not something that we're born with. Like successful people are not filled with passion or born with some inherent inner drive. They still feel the same negative emotions, a lack of motivation, a lack of interest and boredom but they just push themselves to do it anyway and i thought that was really important and he has a quote that i wanted to read we all have goals that we would like to achieve and dreams that we would like to fulfill but it doesn't matter what you are trying to become better at if you only do the work when it's convenient or exciting then you will never be consistent enough to achieve remarkable results that's true i put literally in caps like practicing because i thought about this with when i changed my major Back in undergrad, I remember mm -hmm. when I changed from being just a general music major to performance, I remember I was told if you want to be a performance major and if you want to make it, you need to work at it. I got that from Dr. A. Thanks, Dr. A. He was always inspirational. I literally took those words to heart because I 
really looked up to him. I wanted to like show him and my teachers and like my colleagues and everybody. I wanted to show people that I could do Mostly this. me. Mostly Brittany. <laughs> While she was mm-hmm. looking at me in the practice room. <laughs> um, <laughs> Peering through the window. <laughs> we all were living in the practice rooms, but for real. I literally like took the time to do that. I don't know how I had the energy, not going to lie. Granted, I was in my early, early, early 20s. I definitely had more energy then. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I could drink seven cups of coffee and be completely fine. I was working all the time. I would show up to the music school with a friend of mine every morning at 7 a.m. And we would want to get a parking spot because parking at the music lot was always first come, first serve. If you got there past eight, you weren't going to find a spot. Oh, absolutely not. But... I always had a great spot because I showed up right before 7 o'clock every day, practiced for at least an hour. Even if I was dead freaking tired from the night before and delivering pizzas or doing a concert the night before, I still showed up at 7 a.m. And even there were times, especially when I was living on campus, I would work at Pizza Hut and then I would be like, okay, I don't have to be at class until 10 a.m. or... 8 a.m., whatever, and I lived on campus, so it was convenient for me just to drive to the music building, park there, practice at night for, like, an hour or so, and it worked. Mm -hmm. I did that a lot. I did that every single day, not to toot my own horn, but to be honest, I definitely freaking worked my ass off, and I can definitely see the results today compared to how I sounded back my freshman year in college. I worked my ass off, and I definitely showed people that I could do it, and I am doing it right now. I think we had a lot more energy and drive to show up and do it than we do today. Mm-hmm. That's why we were able to be so successful and do. I mean, yeah, we were younger, so we could handle a little less sleep, a little more caffeine. I don't know how I did it. I don't put that same amount of energy towards my music, and if I did... I don't either as much anymore, and I think it's just because mm-hmm. there's a lot more going on in our lives, and we're now in action doing the thing. Mm-hmm. We have a lot more responsibilities on our hands, which is totally fine. That's just the way life goes. If you continue to show up, that's how you're going to get results, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a performance major. I wanted to perform. I wanted to live my life being a flutist. And now you are. I am. I feel like I'm tooting my own horn, but... You deserve it. You're boss bitch. I'm a boss bitch with my Darth Vader mug. Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver and let's say this person was me and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm going to be late. Oh. So I'm going to go. Go to LaBelle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go.
Boredom is normal and natural, and just because you're bored doesn't mean there's anything wrong, but you need to try to fight it. You need to have variety either in your training, you know, whether it's lifting weights or what you're practicing or variety in your rewards. I actually tell students this a lot. People can't focus on one thing for more than seven seconds. It's just proven we can't focus on one thing without a thought going through our heads. Nope. So we need to find ways to present the same or similar data to our lizard brains so that way we won't get bored. So that way we're going to continue learning, but when we're bored, we don't learn as much. Yes. And we tend to make errors with that. Which kind of slides us into our next chapter, chapter 20, the downside of creating good habits, which I literally thought this chapter was going to be like, I just succeed all the time and it sucks. (laughs) And it wasn't that. <laughs> just succeed all the time. It just sucks. I love that. Basically, if you get good enough at something, it can cause you to become lazy with the thing or immune to feedback because you just go on autopilot. So like for me, for instance, when I'm playing my violin, I can easily like have bad posture and still sound great. And I can talk and play and still sound great. I was trying to do fingerings for a student with the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, and I hadn't played it since I was a senior in high school. So I had to get a new edition because my old edition was trash because it's been 10 years. I was like sitting on the love seat and I was playing, I didn't have the violin parallel to the ground. I kind of was resting my arm on my stomach and I had the music in front of me on an ottoman and I was playing through it while David was playing Pokemon on the Switch on the TV. And he's like, I love listening to you play. And I'm like, I'm hardly even playing, but I mean, it sounded good. But that doesn't mean it was great. It happens. It's like, I know I can play at this position. But is it my best? It's like, should I? Yeah. No. But it's like, oh, you know, it's whatever. It's fine. Kind of doing the opposite of what I teach right now. (laughs) Like, that's how I kind of think about it. (laughs) So you basically need to just keep up deliberate practice to continue to get better. And in theory, it's infinite because I always tell my Mm -hmm. students, when you start something, for instance, when you start an instrument, you see exponential growth really quickly. Yes. And then you plateau in a few years, and then it doesn't take much to get past that hurdle and continue to move up. As you get better and better, these plateaus get longer, and it takes more effort to get to the next level. That's something I tell a lot of my students. I go through like a little book series with my students, and I was actually talking about this with one of my adult students because we're getting into a point in their playing where they can polish things and keep on improving they already know how rhythms go they know how notes are like that's not the problem I think it's just more like how can we play a little bit more fluidly when we're switching between notes how could we play add a little bit more details into our playing phrasing adding Mm -hmm. dynamics staccatos and whatnot Mm -hmm. you know just applying some of these basic techniques at an advanced stage it was interesting because when we started our new book together They were like, this is a lot harder than I thought. The first book that we learned from, it's a beginning book, so it's very straightforward. You're learning, like, new scales and notes and keys for the first time. And so the next book is where you're kind of just polishing those up a little bit. You're expanding Mm -hmm. your range of making music. And I explained to them, I was like, well, now you're at this point where you're hitting kind of a plateau. Because you already hit the level where, you know, you can create a sound really well. You know how to read the notes well and finger them clearly. You know how the rhythm goes. It's now just polishing these things up and how can I continue up in my progress with this? Like, what can I do to expand my artistry? 
with these basic concepts right. that I have, not mastered, but... I mean, in theory, you never master something, but if you do with the whole 10,000 hours, yeah. we, like, we've definitely put 10,000 hours into our crafts at this point. If I didn't, I'd be shocked. I'd be like, really? <laughs> but <laughs> that was something that I talked about with my student, and I think about that now with a lot of my students that I'm teaching from now in this current book, because not only them, but a few other of my students are working on the same book, and I explain the same thing like hey you're at this point now where you've mastered your basic skills we're just improving them we're making them better so you can grow off that yeah i remember being in that stage i hated practicing after that and i i'll be honest with you i stopped practicing after that because i got bored i got bored and i was like i don't really Mm -hmm. understand this and i'm not getting better well i'm not getting better yeah i got bored and i stopped practicing and i didn't get better one solution that James suggests is to review your habits and make adjustments by using a reflection review process to help make yourself become more aware of mistakes and consider where and how to improve. I thought of me personally, I have a notebook and every time I take an audition, I write in it and I write what went well, what didn't go well what specifically happened, et cetera. How could I do better? What was I happy with? I did this because you mentioned it to me in my last audition, and I did it right after. Just letting you know. Oh. I did it. Which (laughs) reminds me, I need to go back to that. (laughs) I found it helpful because even if I didn't make an audition, I was like, okay, well, compare my own personal growth. Like, was this a better audition? What did I do better on? Where do I need to improve? What falls apart in the moment? And I think James Clear said that he does it himself. He has like a yearly review. Mm-hmm. He asks himself three questions. What are the core values that drive my life and work? How am I living and working with integrity right now? And how can I set a higher standard in the future? Mm-hmm. Guess it's kind of like how some people make New Year's resolutions. And usually they make it based on things that they're doing currently that they want to change. And they just use the new year as an excuse. Yeah. To do it. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to the music thing, I thought a lot about music in these last few chapters. Yes, yeah, I With the reflection and review, if I do this with my practice journal, I'll write down, like, if I do a run-through of something and record it, I'll write down what I thought about it. And then what I do in my next practice session is if I'm going through specific things that I went through in my last practice session, I'll read over my notes and see, like, what I did in that moment like what did I hear Mm -hmm. what happened and what do I need to be aware of this next time and it kind of keeps me going in a way it's like okay like I'm aware of this now how can I you know improve and get better at this excerpt or this scale exercise or whatnot if you think about it too that's kind of what juries were when we were in music school yeah whenever I did juries especially in grad school I did a lot of orchestral excerpts I only did them because, one, I wanted to get over the pressures and nerves playing in front of a panel. And in that case, I was in front of all my professors, and I was like, okay, this is scary. Yeah, everyone whose opinion you value. Exactly. And same with performance slash studio class, because we would break it up, like, half the time we would spend time with our own studios, and then the other half of the quarter, we would spend it with the entire woodwind section, and we would perform in front of everybody and we would get critiqued i purposely picked hard excerpts that i was terrified of because one 
I did not want to touch, like, for instance, the Prokofiev Classical Symphony excerpt, if anybody is a flute player knows. It's really fast. It's really scary because you hit a high D above your high C <laughs> that is more normal to hit, and high D scares me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I got to brave my fear and play it. And then on top of it, I was like, let me just do it in front of my entire colleagues of the woodwind section. <laughs> and I did it. And I got criticism. I took it in. I recorded myself all the time in these things. And I literally would sit down and listen to my recordings, listen to the notes, read the notes from my jury sheets. I would be like, okay, this is what I need to work on next. This is what I need to do if I want to play this excerpt again. I think it really helped me out a lot. Speaking of music, there was a whole section on... <laughs> how to break the beliefs that hold you back. This ties to music because the section is about not being prideful and you tend to be prideful when something is deeply tied to your identity. Mm -hmm. And then when it's more deeply tied to your identity, we really strongly defend it. And his solution is to avoid making any single aspect of your identity an overwhelming portion of who you are. And I was like, well, I'm a musician, but then I was just like, oh, wait, this is why I was like a hot mess when COVID started because I was a musician. Yeah. That's almost all I was. And then it all went away. I couldn't perform anywhere. I lost over half of the income I was projected to make. I lost that outlet. My two biggest outlets are David and music and music turned away from me mm -hmm. and David did a little bit too because he was obviously dealing with COVID like everyone else was dealing with COVID like the isolationism and everything it was really tough I kind of had a little existential crisis I feel like and I started picking up more hobbies I used to read a lot when I was a kid and I kind of stopped reading when I became a musician I'd read but it wasn't as fanatic and I've gotten back into reading and Dave and I have really reconnected over that, which has been amazing because mm -hmm. now we're both bookie people. And then this podcast I know. has helped reinforce that. <laughs> I started gardening, which is nice to explore. I started exercising even more intensely. I don't just think of myself as a violinist anymore, which is nice because I feel like if music was to ever give out again, I would be okay because mm -hmm. I'm also an athlete. I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a horrible gardener, I'm an avid reader, <laughs> I love cooking, I'm more than just a musician, and I think pre-COVID I was mostly a musician. I can agree with that a lot. It really sucked when I couldn't do music, and I was broken for a while. Yeah, I went through an identity crisis a lot, more last year than I did 2020, which is interesting i feel like it was just like from march of 2020 to like april of 2021 yeah i had like a year <laughs> of just crisis i've just been pretty stuck i'm finally feeling less stuck which is good oh also a podcaster didn't mention that. yeah i kind of see myself more <laughs> as a podcaster lately and doing more stuff with social media in general mm -hmm. making the time for it at least it's hard but trying but i enjoy doing that kind of stuff I don't know. I just see myself more than just being a musician. I see myself, maybe right now I'm just kind of like getting over this crazy month. So it's really hard to kind of think about that right now. But mm -hmm. I am finding things currently in my life that I'm doing daily and whatnot that 
I'm not just a flutist. I'm more than just that. I'm still discovering it right now. Okay, I am a flutist. I'm a podcaster. I enjoy doing this kind of stuff. And I'm trying to find other things, too, that interest me. It's been a while since I've really done it because I've just been focused on running all the time lately because I'm like, I only have time to run. <laughs> but I love taking photos. I love photography. It's always been something of mine that I, I've always wanted to do. And I have a really nice camera for it and everything. When I run, most of the time I have my iPhone. But I love capturing things in the moment when I'm there. And so sometimes I'm more on my iPhone taking photos, but I'm like, okay, how can I get better at this? How can I take iPhone images that are like, I'm taking one from my Canon camera. That makes sense. Right. I would say I'm not a photographer, but that's something that I love doing. I love photography. I think it's so fun. And I love baking. Whenever I have the time to bake, I'll bake you anything. (laughs) I made lemon bars the other day and they were delicious. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I asked what he said, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, lemon bars. So I made him lemon bars. Aww. I love finding new recipes. I love experimenting with recipes and trying new things out. And I love reading more. I used to read just like Brittany. I used to read a lot. And I'm becoming more of a reader as I keep going with this podcast. And hopefully I'll be reading more <laughs> as I kind of take some things off my plate. But... I'm still kind of discovering that right now. So Mm -hmm. I'll tell y'all how that goes. It's just been hard. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're supposed to give up a lot of who we are for music. I kind of look at musicians that I admire and I look up to. And their lives are not just their instruments either. And this is something that I remember a lot of professors and mentors were telling me in school is that you should look outside of the practice room and explore different things that interest you. Hmm. I know many musicians, even with people with orchestral jobs that do things that are not just flute related. Yeah. I know somebody that is in a professional orchestra and that's their job, but they love to woodwork. They like to Hmm. build things and renovate. I've seen her work and I'm like, wow, they did that? (laughs) And then they composed music. And I'm sitting there like, what the heck? (laughs) I think it's phenomenal. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. (laughs) Maybe this is just a normal crisis that people go through in their 20s and arts is just exacerbated because of COVID. Yeah, I've been reading a lot more that people love their 30s more than their 20s. And I definitely agree to that because I did not think about that when I was younger. I thought my 20s would be awesome. And my 20s are eh. I'm over it. <laughs> I reconnected with a another violinist who went to Kennesaw with us. She was at a Christmas gig with me, and she is two years older than me. So she hit 30 during COVID. And I've been sitting here kind of dreading 30. I'm 28. I'll be 29 in April. My life is not where I thought it would be by this point. I agree. I guess it's with that. really what it comes down to. And I was like, I was turning 30. And she said something along the lines of her 20s were fun, but she's ready for the stability that 30s will bring. And that kind of hit me. Yeah, I'm kind of at that point where at first I was scared of my 30s. I was. And then last year happened, especially because I was in this funk and I'm 29 and I'm just over it. I'm over. I'm ready to be 30. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm ready. Like, (laughs) bring it on, August. 
So I, uh, <laughs> I used to think that a lot and I never expected my life to be where I am at this age compared to like other people that I know closely that are at that age. I just didn't expect to be at the place where I am today. And I've just been such in a funk. And I think these last couple years, the last few years of my 20s, have just been really hard. And that's why I'm just kind of over it. And right. that's why I've been feeling really stuck. I'm not going to, like, completely waste my last few months of being in my 20s. But I want to see, like, what kind of growth can I create right now? And how can I let that build in my 30s? Yeah. I also was watching a lot of Sex in the City. <laughs> it's, like, about four women mostly in their 30s, and I'm just like, damn, I'm ready to yeah. do this shit. <laughs> I'm ready to be a boss-ass bitch. I don't think 30 is as bad as I Mm-mm. thought it would be. I think I, in my head, I made it out to this big deal, and it's really not. And the other violinist's approach, I think, is really what kind of got my gears turning. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't view 30 as, like, I'm old, and I'm bedridden, and I can't do anything anymore. I'm already doing that anyway, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm also ready for that stability. Same. Moving forward. Same. Honestly, after some of the things that have transpired in the last few weeks, I'm very ready. I guess that brings us to the close of Atomic Habits. Did you want to say anything about the conclusion? This really helped me kind of figure out, like, how can I make small changes to improve my habits and my life, especially now since I feel like I'm heading to where I want to be. And I've wanted to be here for a yeah. while. You're like, I'm finally here. Yeah, I want to keep going at it and I want it to just continue. I think this was a really good book to read to kind of help me with that and prioritize things that matter and kind of take away things that don't right now and kind of take care of myself mentally and physically and be healthy and enjoy my life a little bit more. And I really love this book because I really think it helped me out a lot. And I'm seeing changes right now. And I'm, I hope it stays. I guess this brings us to a new fiddle and pipe segment Mm -hmm. where you said that you wanted to start writing the books that we read. Oh, yeah. We should start reading our books. (laughs) I'm going to give this book, I want to give this a 9 out of 10. And I want to say this is a must read. I would give this a 10 out of 10. I think that as far as self-help books, this is a absolutely fantastic book. I have started implementing a lot of parts of it into my own life, Mm -hmm. and I see that it has affected various aspects of my life for the better. Unlike some other self-help books I've read, it's very easy to read and digest, and you don't have to do a lot to put it into effect. And I just like how accessible it was. I have been telling everyone that they need to read this. Huh. Scott was reading this, actually. <laughs> really? I think it presents a lot of information that is very good and sort of, like, commonsensical. And I like how James Clear does a very good job at presenting information. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we naturally do, and here's how to either combat it or use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. I just think it has a lot more realistic of an approach. It really does. I'm telling you, like, Scott, I ran into Scott at work today, and he was telling me that he was listening to the podcast and reading the book, and I was like, what book are you reading? 
I thought it was a subtle art. I'm not giving a fuck, but it was this one. And he was like, I really like how you guys are reading this. And it, it's just really interesting. And I really love this book too. And I was like, yes, we're getting on the train here. <laughs> like everyone's reading this book. There's a reason why it was a New York Times bestseller. I'm just silly for being like, I don't want to read this. Everyone's reading this. Do you ever think that maybe there's a reason why everyone's reading yes, it? Yes, Brittany. <laughs> there is a reason. But I'm glad that we read this book. I'm glad we went through with it. I'm glad we're reading it. I loved it. I think it was a really good book. Yeah, I am very happy we chose it. And I'm eagerly looking forward to our next book, which is, I don't know, we'll figure that out at our next meeting. Yeah, we have a lot of books that we have talked about. And we have bought, and we are ready to kind of get that planned out. So make sure to stay tuned with our podcast. We have a few non-book episodes of the next two weeks. So make sure that you listen to that content. We have some really juicy deets and some special guests that are going to be on these episodes. So you should definitely listen. And we will make sure to keep you guys updated about the next book that we're reading And you can do that if you follow us on social medias. I say social medias. We have multiple. Yes, we have multiple. We are on Facebook (laughs) at Fiddle and Pipe Forum, which is an open group for all if you prefer Facebook. And we are also on Instagram at Fiddle and Pipe. And if you want to follow us personally, I am at Cat Flinch Flute. And I am at BM Ross Music. And if you like what we do on the podcast and you would like to support us, feel free to head on over to patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. We have two different tiers and honestly, anything that y'all feel inclined to throw away really helps us by research materials, mm-hmm. editing software, recording equipment, books, so much stuff. <laughs> Also, we are planning on reading some books on our Patreon that will not be on these episodes. And it's just a little bit of a change, which is, honestly, I'm excited for. (laughs) But definitely, we'll keep you guys updated about those books that we're going to be reading. So if you guys want to join in on those, you can definitely do that. Check it out. If you can't support us financially, please consider sharing our podcast with a friend because... Every listen helps. Rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Send us a review. Let us know what you would like us to read if you want us to read a specific book, and we will do that. We are always open to suggestions. We literally are. So, yeah. Literally. Thanks for reading Atomic Habits with us. We hope this helped you guys with your habits, and let us know what you thought about the book. (laughs) I guess we'll see y'all next week with um, our first non-book episode. Toodles.